Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. This is the bag of groceries. If you're wondering what all these bags are for, we're going to fill the bags and give them away just as a demonstration of of, uh, neighborliness and to reach out to the people that live in our community. And, and here in Vandalia, we're going to give one to each household in the village, of which there's about 120 households in, in the village of proper of, of Vandalia. And um, we went out and bought all the stuff. And I actually want you guys to hand this around, because it is stinking heavy. Okay? Pick this up. Tell me it's not heavy. <laughs> so you don't have to hand it. Hand it to a few people. Uh, see if they can hold it. You can do it. Come on. <laughs> so there's a. Uh, it's basically a whole Easter dinner. We're gonna have a five-pound ham plus uh, sweet potatoes and and rolls and all kinds of other stuff. The box of cereal is thrown in there because uh, someone works at Post and they're donating 200 boxes of cereal. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's part of what the money that we're raising in the Bless the Neighbor, Bless the Nation. Uh, and uh, the, the, the majority of it, 30,000 of it, is going to be going to build the training centers in Mexico and finish a training center. Uh, you can just leave it on the, on the uh, chair there. Anybody wants to come check it out um, uh, in Mexico and finish a training center in Kenya for training up pastors. Mark and I will be in Mexico a week from today. So be praying for us. It is uh, This is probably the busiest, most complex mission trip I've ever been on because we're actually doing two separate schools and lots and lots of lessons and uh, lots of teachers, and I'm having to orchestrate all of it. Uh, but it's going to be great, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. So be praying for us, uh, travels and all that. And that uh, just at the time of uh, ministry, will be really rich. I'm going to be ministering in two different cities, one up in the mountains and one down in the plains. One in the mountains, the highs are in the 50s, gets down to freezing at night, and then the, uh, the other half of the time will be, it's only an hour away, but it's near 100 degrees every day, okay, 97, so it's quite the contrast. So, All right, all right. well, we're going to continue on our uh, series of the Inward Journey, the first uh, four months of this year. We're talking about uh, the journey of sanctification and getting our stuff dealt with. And we've been looking at different aspects of that through the, the past few months and, and will for the next uh, through April. And today I'm talking about a particular issue that uh, I think is very valuable. And hopefully you will too if I am uh, successful in communicating. But uh, to, to start off, I just want to introduce an idea. How many know what white noise is? idea of white noise, right? <clears throat> so that's just some, a fan blowing, uh, AC running in the background, and uh, I don't know about you, but I need white noise to sleep. Seriously, if there is not white noise going on, I don't sleep. So every night, my wife never, uh, she, she, I think she used to like it, she, at least she didn't complain about it, she complains about it now. <laughs> so uh, uh, she's gotten to the place where she doesn't uh, need it as much, but if there's not white noise going, <clears throat> I wake up constantly. Every time my, one of my kids walks down the hallway, I'll wake up, you know, or the dog scratches, I'll wake up, or the uh, uh, furnace kicks on, I'm going to wake up. 
Yeah, and uh, it won't. Uh, there's nothing I can do to, to prevent that, and so I always have a fan. In fact, if we go uh, stay overnight at a hotel somewhere, I bring a fan along just in case their fan doesn't stay on continuously. Because if it comes on when the heat comes on, then it turns off, I wake up. <laughs> I gotta wait until it comes back on again, then I go back to sleep. <laughs> and so I'm dependent on that to mask noises that I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear someone walking down the hall. I don't want to hear this and that. So I need that to cover up. So uh, I was listening to a teacher and he compared deodorant is white noise for our nose. <laughs> okay, right? It covers up something we don't want to smell. And uh, some of us went on a mission trip to Turkey a few years ago and we were in Istanbul, 17 million people it's, uh, it's 90 to 100 degrees every day, and, uh, and, uh, and nobody in Turkey uses deodorant. They don't even sell deodorant, okay? So not only do these people not use deodorant, they've never even heard of deodorant, okay? And it's 90 degrees, right? And so when you get on these trams to get around the, uh, uh, the city, and everyone's holding on to the tram. <laughs> I am serious. You know, and I realized why the women wear the sheets over their heads. <laughs> I'm like, that is brilliant. <laughs> and so the next time we go on a mission trip, we're not going to hand out Bibles. We're going to hand out deodorant because <laughs> they need to be saved. <laughs> so white noise for your nose, deodorant. It's a great idea. <clears throat> so now I'm going to change this idea a little bit. Instead of noises or smells, what uh, do we use to mask unwanted emotions? or thoughts, right? And uh, this is a reality that we all practice, whether you're aware of it or not, and I want to bring you aware of it because it's very important. There's stuff that we do to avoid dealing with feelings or thoughts that we don't want to deal with. And so we turn up the emotional or other white noise to cover up those things. So what do you think some of those things might be? What, what do people do to avoid dealing with issues that they should be dealing with? Laughter. Laughter. Well, that's a good one. Shopping. Shopping. That's an honest one. <laughs> right? You, you know, eating. Eating. I'm telling you, eating is an intoxicant. You know, if you, you eat, uh, and if you don't believe that, fast for a few weeks. Because stuff comes up. What's that? Video games. Man, I'm telling you. Constantly doing this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I was in a restaurant you know, just a couple weeks ago, and you know, it was like a rare time you can sit down with somebody, and, and I, this person kept looking at their phone like this. And, you know, and at first I just overlooked it for a while, and I said, the fifth or sixth time, and pull it around. I said, What? Is there a problem? Someone texting you? I was, No, I'm just checking Facebook. I'm like, Really? I'm like, this is FaceTime. <laughs> you can do, well, what if I miss something? It'll be there waiting for you, <laughs> right? And so, but we're, we're, we're just, in, it's a cultural thing. Anything else? <clears throat> Work, thank you. Nobody got that up in Kalamazoo. Uh, everybody avoided saying it, but it's absolutely true that if you don't want to deal with something, because works, you know, that's a good excuse. I have to go to work. I don't have time to deal with this. I gotta, we'll have to deal with it later. I gotta go to work. I gotta get this done. We gotta get this done. We gotta get that done. And you just push problems aside and push an emotional 
tensions and, and issues that need to be dealt with, and you fill all of your available time and space with work, because work is good, but at the expense of something that may be necessary. In fact, all of these things can be good, but not when it's at the expense of something that we need to do with it. And why do you think we do that? Why do we use distractions or white noise to avoid emotions? It's great. We don't know what to do. Uh huh. Absolutely. Fear. It's pain. Pain. Pain seeks pleasure. You want distraction. You don't want to deal with it. You don't want to deal with the pain. Don't know what to do if you were to deal with it. Uh, yeah, and so these are strong emotions, and they're very, very real. All right, and so we turn the different things to avoid dealing with what would cause us pain, what would cause stir up fears, uh, or what we don't know how to deal with. And sometimes it's healthy. Sometimes it's healthy to be distracted. You know, it's okay to watch a TV show. It's okay to uh, have a hobby. It's okay to check Facebook. You know, um, but it's not okay to do it if it comes at the expense of dealing with something that needs to be dealt with. It's not okay if it ends up uh, 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 making the problem worse. And putting off something that we need to deal with usually makes it worse, worse makes it more complicated. All right, <clears throat> so the opposite of being distracted is what's called mindfulness. And maybe you're familiar with that term. Um, it is a very uh, popular term right now. And uh, what it means, the definition of it is a mental state achieved by focusing one's awareness on the present moment, like being in the moment, this moment, <laughs> while calmly acknowledging and accepting one's feelings, thoughts, and bodily sensations. So not only being aware of what's going on, but being aware of how you feel about it, both what you're thinking <clears throat> as well as bodily sensations like are you tense are you sweating uh, are you shaking you know are you calm and being aware of that being aware of what's going on how you think about it and how you're feeling this is actually a primary counseling technique if you're getting therapy your counselor is probably talking to you about may not use this term but he's going to talk to you about mindfulness he should he or she should be if they're not it is extremely powerful but i think it's kind of interesting <coughs> That in our day, we actually pay, and we being the majority of people that, that go to therapists, and there are a lot of them, and I actually believe it's a good thing for many people, but we actually have to pay professionals between $100 and $300 an hour <laughs> to teach us something that should be really simple, like being aware of how you feel. But it's absolutely true. We need to be taught this because we live in a society and, 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 and our society, our culture has gotten to the place where we don't understand how to do this. We're so filled with distractions and stuff. We have so much stuff to fill every minute of every day. In fact, we have too much stuff. We can't even get to all the stuff that, we're, uh, that we have available that we've lost the ability to really be focused on the moment and how we are feeling about that and how to respond. It's an incredibly important skill. Uh, it's funny that uh, it's now a popular counseling technique. There's books written about it. Um, I actually heard a podcast about it not too long ago. 
But God has been teaching this from the beginning. I'll give you an example from the Bible. Uh, right after Adam and Eve sinned, right, they were hiding. Uh, they realized they were naked and they were ashamed, and so they were hiding in the garden. And God shows up. It was his regular routine to show up and spend some time with his kid, uh, kids. And so he's walking through the garden, and God says, the Lord called out to Adam and said, Where are you? Now, do you think God said that because he didn't know where Adam was? You think God was worried? Oh, Adam, Adam, where are you? Like you've lost your kids in the woods. No. Who was he asking that question for? For Adam. Adam needed to hear the question. Adam, where are you? Look at where you are. Look at what's going on. Like, look. You see where you are? We used to walk together, and now you're hiding from me. What's happened? Where are you? Where are you emotionally? Where are you spiritually? Where are you physically? He, God was calling to attention, uh, Adam, to understand, to be mindful about where you are. <clears throat> okay? And so uh, Jesus uh, talks about this in, in our prayer life, and that's what we're getting to. So, But you, when you pray... Go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and the Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. should be very familiar. Scripture, teaching by Jesus, but he actually meant it. <laughs> he actually meant do this, all right? And when he said, go into your room and shut your door, that means remove distractions, right? Close the door. And you may actually have a closet that you can go in and close the door. Most people don't. You don't have an extra room. Thankfully now, I'm down to two kids. I got rid of two of them. Got two more to go. <laughs> it's getting close. I was talking to Lewis the other day. You got two more years. <laughs> and then you'll be graduating. And then who knows? You know? uh, and so now I have one room that I can go and close the door in. Thank you, Jesus. All right. But whether or not you have a room, you can get somewhere and remove distractions. Turn off your phone. Don't just turn it to vibrate, right? Because it goes zzz. I'll have a meeting, there'll be six people in the room, and they all have the phones on silent but vibrate. So you're talking about zzz, 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 zzz. I want to be like Jesus, turn over the tables. <laughs> turn it in airplane mode. Leave your phone somewhere else. Turn off the computer. Uh, <clears throat> get to a place where you're not distracted. Uh, in this verse, when Jesus is talking about prayer, where is God found? Where is God found in that verse? What does it say? So God is in the secret place. All right? That's where he is. Uh, what do you think that means? What is the secret place? If God is there, don't you want to know where that is? Right? There is an aspect of meeting God, experiencing Him, knowing Him, and having a relationship with Him that you can only find in a secret place. Your secret place may look different than my secret place. But you know what? You have to develop a secret place. You have to develop a place that you can go. And that it can be a literal place or a figurative place. For me, it's a figurative place. In other words, I don't necessarily have a spot that I go to. 
Uh, but I, go, I can go in my mind to a place where it's just me and God, and we can commune there. All right? uh, and it's something that takes mindful prayer. It's the idea of removing distractions, removing the white noise of life, and being mindful about where you are, where God is, and how to connect in a living way in that place. And it takes uh, practice, it takes learning how to do this. Uh, a very famous author, Timothy Keller, uh, and Skeeter, uh, he's uh, actually from New York, he writes this, uh, someone sent me this just last week, and I thought it was very appropriate. It says, there are three basic kinds of prayer to God. There's the upward prayer. Uh, they sent it to me because it uses the terms of our, our theme, upward, uh, inward, and outward. Uh, there's the upward prayer, praise and thanksgiving. We all know that. <laughs> Worship God and, and we're to do that um, uh, you know, on a regular basis. It's uh, the prayer of awe. And then there's the inward prayer of self-examination, confession, that brings a deeper sense of sin and in return a higher experience of grace and assurance of love. Wow, does that sound good? Yeah, I want to experience that. This is the prayer of intimacy. So what we're talking about today, and the, the part of the inward journey that we're talking about today is this inward prayer, the prayer of intimacy. Um, finally, there is the outward prayer, and that's what we normally think of prayer. That's intercession, supplication, it's asking for things, asking for needs, needs for yourself, needs for those around you. Um, and, uh, you know, the regular aspect of prayer. But the inward prayer is extremely important. And you can't say one's more important than the other. But if we don't have this going on, we can't have the real connection. We're avoiding the secret place that Jesus told us that we need to go to in order to develop a connection with uh, our Heavenly Father. We're going to share an example of this that we see in Scripture in Psalm 77. This, I think, just uh, as we read this, it actually is... What we're talking about acted out. It's the psalmist recording what he experienced. He says, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate, that's that thoughtful, mindful prayer. I meditate within my heart and my spirit makes diligent search. Okay, and so this is something going on where? Is this something he's doing with his body? Like pounding a drum? No, he's... He's meditating in his heart, and his spirit is diligently search, searching. Okay, Do we know how to make our spirit search? Do you know how to make your spirit search? This is a skill that's biblical, and we need to learn how to do it. We need to learn how to meditate in our heart. We, we also need to learn how to direct our spirit in a diligent search for God. This is what Jesus is talking about, of spending time in the secret place encountering God. Right? And then what happens is you hear what was going on in the psalmist's heart. This is what he was saying in his heart. <laughs> Listen to this. Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? God, are you just going to leave us? Abandon me? Are you not going to show any favor, any mercy toward me ever again? Has his mercy ceased forever? God, have you completely stopped being nice? This is what he's crying, right? Am I reading this correctly? Has his promise failed? God, the promises you made, are they a failure? Have you failed? Is this a happy prayer? All right. You go to a prayer meeting, somebody starts praying like this, you start praying for them. 
<laughs> you go up, are you okay? This is an honest prayer. Okay? This is real prayer. And this is really a prayer that you do alone. Uh, you know, or with someone that you trust that can have the maturity that you can join together. What else? Uh, has God forgotten to be gracious? Oh, almost sounds like an accusation about uh, towards God, right? Has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? So he's crying out this anguish. And then this word selah, you know what that means? Stop and think about that for a while. All of that stuff he just voiced. And he's like, we're just going to think about that for a while. Because that's how he was feeling. He was, he was being mindful of what was going on in his heart and his spirit. And he expressed that in prayer to God. But then it shifts gear here. And I said, this is my anguish. This is how I feel, and it's not good. It's not happy. But I will remember. So he's turning his heart and his spirit and his mind toward the years at the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the works of the Lord. Oh, I'm going to remember everything that God's done in my life, everything I've seen God do in other people's lives. I will remember your wonders of old, the miracles, the miracle of creation, the miracle of salvation, miracles of healing, of all the different things that we've seen. I will meditate on all of your works. I'm going to turn my meditation from my anguish and my problems and my pain, and I'm going to meditate. I'm going to think about all the good things God does. And then I'm going to talk about everything you do. Your way, oh God, and then he changes his words. Oh, your way, oh God, is in the sanctuary, the secret place. Who is so great a God is our God? The questions have changed, haven't they? You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. You have with your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Think about that. All right, and so there's a shift there. And this is a perfect example of a, a biblical prayer of being mindful and working through it and, and, and being honest, but then turning the attention. This is biblical prayer. This is biblical meditation, which is completely different than what we normally think of the term of meditation, which uh, Eastern meditation, Buddhist meditation, is emptying your mind of thoughts. Um, biblical meditation is actually filling your mind not emptying, it's filling your mind with God's Word, filling your mind with the knowledge and the interaction with the living God, with the Holy Spirit. Uh, but it requires time. Everybody say time. How many have enough time? Nobody has enough time. All right? And it requires mental diligence. Okay? That means you have to work at it. Right? It doesn't come easy. <clears throat> and it requires rest. A restfulness, that, that's where the idea of meditation, where i got to stop and think deeply about this and not just be caught up with the distractions of life. You need to focus on the things that God wants you to focus on. So the Bible teaches about this in Hebrews. It says, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience, referring to the children of, Abraham, uh, uh, the children of Israel, in the wilderness, and they all died in the desert because they didn't obey. And the Amplified, it puts it this way. It says, let us therefore be zealous and exert ourselves and strive diligently to enter that rest. 
A bit of a contradiction there. It's like, let us fight our way through the living room, tossing out everything in our way so that we can sit on the lazy boy. You know, it's like this idea of striving and exerting and fighting in order to rest. And you think, well, rest, we need to just lay back and relax. Well, sometimes you need to fight. You need to push. You need to move all the distractions out of the way. You need to force your schedule to submit to rest. Right? And a particular kind of rest, this intentional rest of coming in to the presence of God. Now, this is a hard thing for doers. You know what I mean by a doer? It's a hard thing for doers to do. Right? And I'm a doer. I like to get things done. If I don't get something done, I get depressed. In fact, if I'm feeling really bad, I'll think, wait a minute, I haven't accomplished anything today. Or for the last year, it's like, I don't feel. And a lot of things I accomplish, it's like I stand up and talk in front of people. It's like, you can't walk away and go, oh, that was great. <laughs> it's like, sometimes I don't remember what I spoke on a few hours later. <laughs> All right, so I actually have to move things, build things, change things. I got to fill 200 grocery bags and distribute them. Let's do something. All right? <clears throat> I want to do, how many like doing stuff? Huh? I love doing stuff. And this, 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 idea of resting before the Lord and taking time just to, to be in God's presence it was hard until I figured out that I had to do it. Okay? <laughs> I'm telling you, this is something I have to do. Okay, I can do this. And so it's actually something I do. I intentionally rest. I take time to not do anything else. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. All right? And the Amplified says that means that I will ease, relieve, and refresh your soul. This is something that Jesus came to do. And we don't want to be too busy to do what Jesus came to tell us to do. I heard someone compare this. Uh, actually, it was just on the radio, I think, yesterday. I said, if I, if I had an envelope with $1,000 for each person that would come and spend one hour in prayer each day for the next 90 days, how many people do you think would show up? If I said, every day, if, if you came in one hour and spent in prayer for one hour, I'll give you an envelope $1,000. After 90 days, you've had $90,000. Would you be there? Would you be there? Honestly? Absolutely has nothing to do with time. It has everything to do with value. And frankly, we value money more than we value connection with God. And you need to deal with that between you and God. <laughs> All right? God, I'd rather have $1,000 than spend an hour with you. Okay. I understand our relationship. The thing is, I'm saying this so that we hear it. All right? How about you spend time with God and not worry about the money. Because that shows you what you really value. And is it easy? No, it's not easy. It's hard. That's why we have to strive. That's why we have to fight. That's why we have to do it. What we call this is what we, we being our church, we have, I forgot to bring it, we have a brochure out in the brochure rack, and the people in our network, we call it soaking prayer. It's meditating uh, within your heart, on your bed, and being still, as it says in, in Psalms 4. You know, I don't know about you, but I don't stand on my bed unless I'm trying to kill a spider that's on the ceiling. <laughs> that's good. Right? 
We don't what do we do on your bed? So this means you're lying down and you're not moving around. It's a biblical command, really. Meditate within your heart, on your bed, and be still. He makes us lie down besides uh, still passage, right? In the green, in, in the, in the, uh, amongst the green grass, right? And, uh, along the still waters. Soaking prayer is, in essence, resting in the presence of God. It is calming yourselves and putting yourself, you're, uh, putting aside the distractions, the noise of the day to focus your mind and heart on the Holy Spirit. It's time without an agenda. So this is not the time that we have a prayer list. This is a time where we don't have an agenda. We're just spending time with God. Or any sense of having to do something. We call it soaking because it's about submerging yourself in God and His love and soaking Him up like a sponge. But it is simply another form of prayer. It can be called contemplative prayer or quiet time. Contemplative prayer is the more traditional term, but there's been terms that describe this all throughout the centuries. It's a Christian practice. I have an old dry sponge. Yeah, so if I, you know, this is, this is the pics of the state of many Christians. This used to be wet and soft and useful, but it was in the cupboard and it's gotten dry and crusty because it hasn't soaked. And if I wanted to clean something, this doesn't do any good. It just kind of smears it around, right? And so what's the, so how can I make this useful again? You submerge it in the water. It's getting soft, now it's getting bigger. I can feel a change simply by spending time submerged. And now it's filled with what was in the picture. It's it's soaked up what it immersed itself in. And that's why we call it soaking prayer. We're dry and crusty. You need to spend some time soaking in the river. Why? So that you soak up, you absorb the, the characteristics, the nature of God, uh, the stuff that God wants to get inside of you. <clears throat> soaking prayer. Picture that. Uh, soaking prayer is often referred to as the inward journey. I came across that in my study. I was like, hey, there it is again. In the spirit. This is from a CBN website, Christian Broadcasting uh, website, <clears throat> describing this practice. In simple terms, it's, not, it's just hanging out with Jesus and letting him do whatever he wants to do. One more quote, or another quote. Uh, regarding contemplative prayer, soaking prayer, Andrew Murray, who wrote the book on prayer, right? says, here is the secret. We lived a couple hundred years ago. Here is the secret of a life of prayer. Take time in your inner chamber, your heart, your spirit, your secret place, to bow down in worship and wait on him until he unveils himself, until he shows himself. And I like this, and and takes possession of you. So when God takes you, picks you up in his arms, where does it happen? It happens in the inner chamber, in the secret place. When does it happen? When you take enough time, when you wait there. And it may be different. It's different for me. Some days I get there quick. Some days it takes me hours. Some days I don't get there. Sometimes it takes weeks or months before I get there. Are you hearing me? but I have to take the time to wait. Um, And then goes out with you to show you how a man can live and walk in abiding fellowship with an unseen Lord. Soaking prayer. Okay, another uh, heard uh, this uh, described this way. It's spending time in the classroom of silence. 
And it's learning from God in the classroom of silence. It takes practice. It does not come naturally. None of us want to do this. It's a discipline. Because we like being busy. We like being distracted. But we have to discipline ourselves and find time. Uh, And it may start 10 minutes for you. Once a week, 15 minutes. For me, I need to soak longer than that. Uh, but one thing that I found is that the, the more I soak, the less time it takes for me to get to the place of encounter. Right? And so initially, I remember the first time I spent 12 hours in a room with nothing to do except pray and read my Bible. 12 hours. It was not easy. Right? But I, I set that I was on my calendar, it was scheduled, and then it was my turn. And I showed up and I knew I'm not gonna do anything today except pray. So I might as well pray. And after you do it one time, twelve hours, the next time you go to pray for an hour, you're like, it flies by. And then you go and then you go, I can only have ten minutes to pray. It's like why even bother? I can just barely get started. Right? But for some of us Praying 10 minutes is like, okay, after 30 seconds, what do I do? Well, I'm trying to share. This is one of the things you do. You do it for an hour. And then the next time you have to pray for 10 minutes, it actually goes really quick. Because you learn, you practice. It's like any other thing that we learn how to do, how to run, how to bicycle. We learn how to go further. And so it enriches our ability. Soaking prayer is counter to our culture. It's not something that you're going to hear and uh, reinforced culturally. In fact, the opposite is reinforced. What are you wasting time doing that for? It's not a waste if you value it. If you value that connection with God, soaking prayer is very powerful. John or not, the head of our uh, international network of churches said, I love this. <clears throat> I've heard him teach this many times. I found, he said, this is a quote, I found a classical Greek word study uh, on the word bapto. So this was actually, he was reading this just in a description of the terminology, bapto, meaning to dip, um, and baptizdo, uh, meaning to immerse. Baptizdo is the word that we use for baptism, okay, uh, when you baptize somebody. The recipe was actually a Greek recipe for making pickles. Uh, the recipe called for raw fruit to be dipped in boiling water uh, to blanch or sterilize the cucumber. Uh, using the word bapto, you dipped it in, it was quick, all right? Uh, I mean, to dip in and out quickly. Then it called for the cucumber to be immersed using the word baptizdo uh, and soaked in the brine and pickling solution for several weeks or longer. Uh, what happens during the soaking time, we all know how this works, uh, is that the marinade or the pickling solution soaks deep into the flesh of the cucumber until it takes on the flavor of the pickling solution so that it no longer tastes like a cucumber. This is what we mean by soaking. Uh, John explains, may you be so marinated in the presence of the Holy Spirit, soaking in the river of God, that you no longer taste like your old raw nature, but you have taken on the flavor of the Holy Spirit. I've heard him say this so many times. Pickle us, Lord. Oh, pickle us, Lord. I can't quite personate him. Pickle us, Lord, in the marinate of your Holy Spirit. Soak us in your wonderful presence until we become more and more like you. All right, so here we have a cucumber. 
Do you recognize it? And here we have a jar of pickles. Oh, and I forgot the... Besides size, what's the difference? It tastes different, right? It looks a little different. One's raw and one's hard. Yeah. And so the and, and the only reason they're different is because, you know, this used to look like a little one of these until it got stuck in there and soaked in. It took on the nature of what it was soaking in. Right? Uh, so this has flavor, this actually will last longer, and the jar it'll last you know for a long, long, long time. This won't last very long, for weeks. It'll be all rotted. And so that's the idea of soaking prayer, that you take time to get saturated uh, with the... <coughs> My fingers are all sticky now. Oh, you know what? Get the sponge with water. <laughs> all right, practical steps. going to finish up with this. Schedule a time uh, that's separate than Bible time or prayer time. And again, once a week, once a month, maybe you've never done it. Hey, I'm just going to try this for 30 minutes. I'm going to put on... Uh, some instrumental music. I'm not going to have any distractions. Uh, set a time to do this. You can do it no matter how busy you are. If you value it, you will learn how to do this. Uh, I, uh, it's helpful for me to have music going on. Uh, some, uh, I like instrumental music. Some people like music with words. Uh, it's really up to you. Do it often and longer than you want. Mitko was here a few weeks ago, and he talked about he's, he's been practicing for some time, an hour of prayer every day. Sam Wakefield owns so many businesses that I don't even know how many businesses he owns. He's up in Muskegon, he's, and he pastors a church on the side, and he's got two little kids. Uh, and um, he spends a, at least an hour, he says it's usually more like two, sometimes it's three hours a night, every day. Soaking in God's presence. He says his best business ideas come in the middle of that. God will tell him something. And he'll go, oh, that's fine. Um, stop looking and listen. God wants to meet you during that time. And so be open to what comes to mind. You know, if you dedicate the time to the Lord, a thought comes, don't just dismiss it. It may be the Lord telling you something. And that's why when I do it, I always have a piece of paper and a pen. Because I'll think of something. You'll sit down and go, oh, shoot, I get it. Change the oil in the car. You know what? And if you don't write it down, you'll keep thinking, I don't want to forget that. But if you write it down, then you just let it go. Oh, i got to remember to send that, pay that bill. Write down that then you write down a few nods and ends, and it clears your mind, and then you'll, you'll get a thought. I really love spending time with you. Maybe that was God. You know? Or a verse will come to mind. Or someone will come to mind and they'll go, I'm going to pray for that person. So this is how it works. All right? Listen, Christianity is not showing up at church for an hour, hour and a half and eating donuts. <laughs> That's a good part of it, right? It's about practicing God's presence on a regular basis and drawing in a knowledge, awareness, and experience with Him. And this is a very key way to do it. And there's a part of knowing God that you can't get to if you don't take time to do this. Incorporate scripture in, in creative ways as well. What I do, and I'll close this, uh, 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 I'd have instrumental music and I downloaded uh, uh, a Bible being read and then have a playlist so it'll actually read the same chapter and then play a music song and then read through the same chapter. 
anybody saw. And after 30 minutes or an hour, I've heard that chapter about 20 times. What's weird is like, I'll go, wait a minute. That's different. Like, I swear it's a different chapter. I, I did not hear that the last time. But it's the same chapter. Okay, but something that'll tune you into something else. So whether you read it or, or listen to it, it's up to you. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you in Jesus' name, and we pray that. I pray an impartation of the passion to seek you, the heart to seek you, the diligence to seek you, to spend time, to spend time. And our time is more valuable than our money. That we would spend time seeking you. Father, I pray that everyone in this room would get really skillful at this part of the journey so that we could lead others into your presence so that they could experience you in deeper ways.